0: Center and coming in as Lube. He'll make like center that. He's
1: And over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. And
2: he's stopped by Markstrom from Point Blank. range. You can put it in the window. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby.
1: This is Flame Flamestock with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: All right, let's get it going this hour. Happy Tuesday. It is Tuesday, November 28th. And Flames Talk is underway. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Yeah, it's Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. Let's get this hour going we have got a lot to dive into here and elsewhere. It is a busy Tuesday in the NHL. Good day for Frank Saravalli. It's time to welcome in our NHL insider for South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Frank Saravalli joins us now from Daily Faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com. Hello, Frankie. How are we
3: doing? Uh, I've had better days. It's
0: been a... Uh, it has been a weird day, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get into all of it with you on this Tuesday. You don't
3: even know the half of it, buddy.
0: I probably, I'm, I guarantee you, I don't. Uh, and I'm sorry to hear that that it's been a uh, it's been a four letter bomb word uh, word day. Um, well. Let's, let's start with this because we like to, when, when we have you on, we like to start local and then and then branch off. So we'll do that as per normal. Um, in the last hour on Flames Talk, we had a lot of conversations about Calgary's first quarter. They're below 500 at 9, 10, and 3, but seem to be pointed in a much better direction from afar. I'm curious as to how you'd evaluate the first 22 games of Calgary's season.
3: I think the last two or three weeks have looked a lot closer to the team that I thought the Flames would be. But that said, I don't think my thought process changes based on the conversation we've had the last couple of weeks, which is can the Calgary Flames be a playoff team this year? The answer still is yes. Yep. I just don't see them vaulting into the to the category of where they're a threat to to do any damage. And I think as long as you're not in that conversation, the rest of the time, you're just kidding yourself.
0: So in that sense, are we so you 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 still believe this is a, a group that is a playoff team as constructed. Would that be fair?
3: I think they can be with how poor the, the rest of the Western Conference is outside of the top six. Yes.
0: Okay. So, and then knowing that and knowing that, because I'm kind of with you, I think it's way too early to say whether or not they're able to get back into this overall mix And, and, and not just overall mix, but into like the contending mix in the Western Conference. Does, do you think that there has been at any point a conversation internally about, okay, we, we thought we were going to be trading these guys and now we maybe need to resign these guys. I am just, I'm curious as to what your read is as to their read on their big picture stuff.
3: Well, I think the read has been all over the place. And I think it's been initially it was, we're really excited for this season. We think we can be right in the mix And then with the start to the year, it was like, okay, we're open for business. We're going to start listening on these guys, the Zadaroff trade request, all of that's out there. And then as the season has sort of turned the corner and they've played better the last two or three weeks, I think the thought process is we probably owe it to this team with how well they're playing right now to at least give them some more runway to show us more. And I think that's a fair assessment because I always think back to the the thought process from Lou Lamorello, which is it's tried and tested and true, and it's if you have time, use it. Yep. The trade deadline's not till March eighth. Yep. Today's November twenty eighth. We've got a long way to go between now and then, and I wouldn't. I would argue that pulling the trigger right now to make a trade. Unless you're knocked head over heels for something that you love, doesn't really make a lot of sense right now, anyway.
0: Yeah. So it 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 feels like the last I don't know month and a half has been very much wait and see. That's kind of where things I, still I sit I think that's right the perfect now. Perfect
3: way to explain it. Yep. Wait and see. Yep. And in the meantime, I think you learn more. You learn more about the marketplace. You learn more about the players that you have and how they fit in it. I think you learn more about the young players that you have, whether it's Zari or the whole group. And you 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 assess it when you absolutely have to. I, I still think the compass and the overall 30,000-foot view at the end of the day needs to trend toward maximizing the value of your pending ufas but i also don't think they can completely move all of them but i i think there needs to be a huge chunk of them that is heading somewhere else when it's all said and done do you uh
0: do you see a world where if this continues and and we'll get to the rest of the league in a second but do you see a world where maybe as, as contract talks are on hold right now, but a month from now, two months from now, if they're continuing to play better, do those contra- is, is there re-engagement on long-term contract talks with some of these guys?
3: I think there should be because the truth is when you've got a defense core that only has Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson – signed for next season. The next question you ask yourself is, okay, that's great that we're going to redo things here, but who's going to play on our blue line? So I think you have to find a way to keep at least one of those guys. Okay. And then you move forward from there and 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 help with your decision making process. This is a tough spot the Flames are in. Like I I really sympathize for the crossroads that Calgary is at because on the one hand, what you're seeing is more of this team that you believed in, that you assembled, that you thought it could be. And on the other hand, even though you've seen some glimpses in the last few weeks, the fact of the matter is they're still sub-500. Yep. And even if you think that you're going to be a playoff team because of, you know, do you think the Calgary Flames are better? To, here, I'll phrase it to myself. Do I think the Calgary Flames are better than the St. Louis Blues, the Seattle Kraken, the Nashville Predators, the Arizona Coyotes? Yes, I do. But do I think the the Calgary Flames are in the same category as the Vegas Golden Knights, the Los Angeles Kings, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars? No, I do not. And I don't think they're particularly close. So that said that is your, that's your North star, right? That's your mission and your mandate. Right. At least how I see it. Yeah. Frank, am so, I oversimplifying it?
0: No, I. that's kind of where I'm at. Cause my, my take whenever I'm asked, cause you know, sometimes I, I take some flack on our text line on post game where I'm like, well, no, I probably wouldn't be uh, looking to sign player a or player B at this point. And my, my take has been that, I don't think they're a cup contender as constructed right now, but I think if they make a couple of really pragmatic, smart moves between now on the deadline, they could get themselves to a spot where they're at a different level in a couple of years does not have to be. It's kind of the conversation we've had the last few weeks, but I, I think there is an opportunity to get yourself to a much higher level, maybe out of, the middle in the next couple of years. If you approach what I think is a really good opportunity for your team between now and the deadline,
3: you're not going to get many of these opportunities.
0: That's that. That's a really good way of putting it. You don't there's for whatever reason and, and Craig Conroy did not, um, he was not the architect of where they are in terms of guys all coming up at the same time, but they have got four unrestricted free agents who are all big time players on the team at the same time. And that could be a bad thing, but I think the Flames have an opportunity to turn it into a good thing.
3: One of the things I really like about Craig Conroy is he seems to be a pretty optimistic guy. And there's two ways you can look at the spot the Flames are in. Woe is me, we've got to embark on a tough challenging few years and oh my god how are we going to replace some of these guys or you can take a step back and say this is unreal we've got Hannafin and tanev and Zadarov, and i don't know maybe uh we could get a nice little chip for someone totally unexpected like aj greer having a decent little run here and oh by the way Lindholm and what could we possibly cash in for on the open market with him You add all those things up and then you say instead of looking at like I and I always say this if you're scared get a dog like if you're scared about trying to find guys to fill those voids I think you're in the wrong line of work yeah. like you should be looking at the excitement and the opportunity the blank canvas the free cap space All those different things that you can do differently moving forward to improve and actually reboot and do it the way you want to do it, in a a way, it's kind of an amazing spot to be as a GM. I know not everyone sees it that way, but you gave this group a chance and, and, frankly, a second chance when maybe even last year you could argue they didn't deserve one. You gave them a second chance and they showed you that they're good but not great. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a fact of life. There's 32 teams and somewhere there's got to be a a 14th place or an 18th place team. It's just that's the truth. Yeah. And then you can go about fixing it. We're chatting
0: with Frank Saravalli. He's our daily face-off NHL insider. That's the flame story. And uh, boy, do we have a ton to get to around the NHL. Let's dive in on that right now. Um, first of all, it's, it's been a very eventful day surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, can you kind of sum up where it's, it's just after 5 p.m. Calgary time when we're talking? Can you sum up where we are on the Blackhawks, Corey Perry, how we got to this point and what the future holds?
3: I can answer some of it. I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I don't have a magic eight ball on me. But I can tell you that Corey Perry was under investigation for the last week for a workplace issue, is what the Blackhawks are calling it, a workplace incident. It was completely vague, didn't give us more than that. And that kind of tracks along with what we've been hearing behind the scenes, that there's something that happened. I believe there's some kind of alcohol involved somewhere, and I don't have any more details than that. And they've now moved to terminate his contract. Publicly, Kyle Davidson, their GM, dispelled the disgusting rumor that was lingering on social media for the last 48 to 72 hours involving one of his yep. players and their family, yep. which is absolutely awful. And I tried to dispel some of that myself earlier in the day. And now the next step is, okay, where do, where does this go from here? Corey Perry's on waivers. The NHL has not commented. We don't know if a team were to pick him up. Would he be subject to discipline? We also don't know whether Corey Perry is going to file a grievance. He has 60 days to do that. There's a lot, I think, still, there's a lot of questions remaining still to be answered. And we don't know anything more than that at this exact moment in time. Certainly not anything that I'm publicly uh, willing or or able to report on yet.
0: Uh, should they have held a news conference with next to no information? That's been one of the big questions out there.
3: I I think hindsight is always 2020. And I do feel for the Blackhawks in this case because they've been getting slammed on social media, lack of transparency. And it's like, they, people feel like they can't do anything right. And I do really feel for the face of their franchise, an 18-year-old kid who's had to really shoulder a lot here as shrapnel for this team in the last couple days. But I also look at it from the Blackhawks' perspective, and I'm going, okay, we've had an ongoing investigation, no doubt, with a ton of lawyers involved. Yep. Can't really say a whole lot more than what they did. But perhaps if they had just told us that this was a workplace incident, and gave us, you know, a shred of what they gave us today, four days ago, we probably would have not run rampant and not we, but social media stories don't get legs if you find a way to quash them. Right. And that part I think is a good lesson for anyone that's sitting back and watching is just give 20% more than you think you can, because you probably can and it'll help you out in the long run and in the meantime it's been pretty ugly for them and I actually like I think they deserve outside of the PR part of this to be commended they're on high alert like they got word of an alleged incident last week they pulled him from the game yep conducted the investigation and then terminated him a week later like for a team that was accused of covering things up before, isn't this the opposite? Yeah. I I,
0: I think that's I, I think that's very fair. I, I really honestly don't other than I, I think the way you put it's really well said. Like hindsight being 2020, maybe coming out and being again, there's only so much that you can legally put out there, but there was uh th- there was probably a threshold that they didn't hit earlier which which as you said could have quashed it and and made it so that some of this stuff didn't get the legs that it did end but up But
3: how do we know that it was kind of going to become a thing either right and then it's like you you comment on something that you know might be making the rounds on social media and it's like do we even want to give oxygen yeah, to this yeah. like there's lots of different competing theories on how that works and what makes sense and look I I don't have the right answer all I know is this was a brutal look for everyone involved. And you saw Kyle Davidson, their GM get emotional. Like he signed Tory Perry to be a guiding light and voice for Connor yep. Bedard. Yep. Do you, do you think this is the path that he envisioned?
0: No, that, that, that news conference, the, the, the main takeaway I had was, that guy is wearing it. Uh, that That's what I yes. took away from what we saw earlier on Tuesday. It's
3: 130 pounds soaking wet, Kyle Davidson. I, I bet you he lost 13 this week. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not exaggerating. That.
0: No, I feel you. Um, okay, more positively, uh, former Blackhawk has signed. Uh, Red Wings have now made it official. Uh, you had it a much earlier in the day, but Patrick Kane has joined the Detroit Red Wings on a one-year deal. How do we like the fit for Kane and Detroit?
3: Well, I, I'm fascinated that he picked the wings to begin with. I understand the connection with Alex to I understand how close it is to Chicago where he's built this massive, beautiful place in the suburbs. Um, I also understand the joy of travel in the East compared to the West. Um, but what does he? What does this say about where Patrick Kane thinks the Blackhawks are? Or sorry, the Red Wings are. The Red Wings are in general holding down a playoff spot a quarter of the way into the season, and another team that people are kind of really skeptical about.
0: The uh, you I and, and honestly, you'd be you'd be way more in touch with this than I would be. Uh, there, there's there's some healthy skepticism about Detroit and and whether or not this is sustainable.
3: Yeah, and I think there's also healthy skepticism about Patrick Kane's health. Okay. How does his hip respond after, um, after this hip resurfacing surgery? Like, other guys have gotten it done and made it back to the NHL, but no one's gotten back to the level that they've had previously, and no one's done it in a way where they've been able to keep playing. So this is a fascinating juncture for Patrick Kane, and to me, I think a couple things helped – send it over the top. I think one was the personal touch from Steve Iserman flying to Toronto where Patrick Kane was doing his rehab and face-to-face having a meeting. Um, That's something that I think went a long way. I also think reuniting and linking up with the Brinkett, one of his very closest friends that he's ever played with, uh, despite the age gap between Mm -hmm. the two of them, that, The Wings, I don't think at the beginning, were all that interested in breaking up that line with DeBrinket, Larkin, and Lucas Raymond. That was so good to start the year. And six days ago, seven days ago, interestingly enough, that line was split up and opened up the door for Kane to play on a line with DeBrinket. And all of a sudden, you can see that sort of, you know, fill out their top six more appropriately with Kane on the right side instead of, Michael Rasmussen, and who, by the way, we're thinking Kane at some point next week would make his Red Wings debut. I'm going to give you a bold prediction. I think Patrick Kane plays the rest of the season at an 85-point pace.
0: Okay. So everything that you're...
3: I think he's damn close. He's not the 105 or 10-point player that we saw eight years ago, but he is from everyone that I've talked to that's watched him train and rehab and go through this they think he's as good as he was you know a few years ago
0: okay uh, we will keep our eye on that in Detroit and we'll finish our conversation with the news of Monday. And that was Minnesota deciding to cut ties with Dean Evason as head coach. Evason fired Feels John like a Hines. Year ago. I, I, I bet it does, especially for you. Uh, oh my God.
3: I was at, last night, I took my daughter to the ER at three in the morning. She is RSV. So that's been fun around here. Um, I can't believe that was yesterday. Uh, John Hines, I, I cut you off, but... No, that's okay. I mean, you look at the the points percentage from Dean Everson, 639. We saw Jay Woodcroft fired in yep. Edmonton, 643. And so had Everson not lost the last seven games in a row, he would have a better points percentage than Woodcroft. And you guys know, just up, Highway to what they were feeling in Edmonton, that fan base wasn't all that thrilled with changing the coach in that juncture. Um, It was fascinating today to hear Bill Guerin say he just had a gut feeling that this wasn't going to turn around. And I think he's got his finger on the pulse of his team better than any GM in the league.
0: Okay. And what do we think about John Hines as the guy coming in?
3: I think – the one thing that surprises me is that these two guys are very similar in terms of how they comport themselves. Dean Everson has a hard edge to him. He's an intense guy. John Hines doesn't really mess around either. And the one thing that really has been missing to me from watching John Hines' teams really closely in Nashville and in New Jersey is that there seems to be a little bit of an attention to detail issue that's lacking. And for a team that has struggled to kill penalties this year, 66%, they also changed out their assistant coach and Bob Woods that I, I, they need more of that, not less. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an accountability thing going on, lack of work, compete et- ethic, all those things. Um, I, I think it's, It's a fascinating spot and we certainly wouldn't bet against Hines. I think the wild are seeing exactly what the flames are seeing, which is a wide open West to get back in the mix. And you might as well not sit around. And as Bill Guerin said, give up on the season.
0: Uh, Well, more than anything, Frank, I, uh, I really sorry to hear about your daughter. So uh, that's thanks. Yeah.
3: She's, she's doing okay, but little scary situation last night
0: yeah i bet so i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad she's back home with you and uh you were able to leave the er so uh more than anything else uh just uh really sorry to hear that but happy to hear that everything's on the mend um, that
3: followed by patrick kane and alert at 7:30. <laughs> i was like come on
0: <laughs> and then really? and then the Corey perry news are right around noon or two, oh. cl- two o'clock yard time so Yes, it gives a little bit more context to uh, why it feels like it's been a two-year day for you. Uh, go get some rest, hey. Thanks, Frankie. We'll talk next week. Have a good one. Uh, Frank Seravali, our daily face-off NHL insider, joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk, and he joins us, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailExports.com.
1: Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary.
0: Say hello to Wes Gilbertson this hour. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Hello, Wes. Hey, buddy. You've, uh, You've been doing some digging, you've been doing some good journalism. There's a journalist on this program, and I'm not one of them. Uh, you're the journalist of the two of us. Another point for Connorsery on Monday in a Flames two one overtime win over the Vegas Golden Knights. You spoke. You spoke to him after the game.
2: I did chat with him post game last night when the uh, Dusty Nickel Show had <laughs> uh, closed, knowing that uh, it would be an off day for the Flames today. Had a chance to chat with Connor for uh, a few minutes because there's. Uh, some pretty neat tidbits, I think.
0: So he picks up an assist on the game-tying goal, which brings him to 10 points in 12 games, all in the month of November. Uh, his first game in the NHL was November 1st, that 4-3 loss to Dallas, and he's been here ever since. Uh, missed the one game with the lower body injury. Um, 10 points in 12 games, all in one month, and there's uh, there's some significance all around with this. Uh, and... You've done the digging, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sound like the smart one. You get to be the smart one, as per usual.
2: Well, it puts them in a a conversation with three interesting high profile names for for me. And so let's start with ten points in a month. Connor Zary, who has three goals and seven assists in the month of November, is the first. Flames rookie with double digits and points in a month since Matthew Kachuk did so twice in the 2016-17 season. Okay. Pretty, Pretty good, good start, yeah. right?
0: So that's 16-17, 23-24, that, uh seven years? Yeah. yeah. So it's been the first time in seven years? Like yeah, that.
2: since so it would technically be since February of 2017 was the last okay. time Matthew Kachuk did so. Then you look at 10 points in 12 career games. That makes him the fastest Flames rookie to hit 10 points from the start of his career since Sean Monahan in 2013. Okay. Another guy who was, if you remember Sean Monaghan's sort of debut, I, I remember being on the road with the team actually as he was getting started. He was kind of shot out of a cannon at the the NHL level. It was like he couldn't miss in the first couple weeks of his career. Scored his first goal in his second NHL game. I believe, I believe. Yeah. In Columbus. And then the third interesting one for me, and this is more current, but if you look at just the November scoring stats for rookies, if you're trying to figure out who the rookie of the month front runner would be, well, Connor area is second in points among NHL freshmen this month, one heading into tonight behind Connor Bedard. And so, yeah, I I get Matthew Kachuk was younger when he started his career. Sean Monaghan was younger when he started his career. Connor Bedard is still 18 years old. But I think those stats, those those statistical comparisons really speak to the immediate impact that yep. Connor Zary's had on this Flames team.
0: Well, and we're gonna hear part of your conversation with him on Monday night. And and the thing that I took away most from this, I think it's the second question you ask him is what's allowed him to do this what's allowed him and and I thought that you know his admission which we'll hear in just a second of being a little bit older and having some of the pro experience is really important you want to play you want to play Connor right now let's do it so this is uh Wes with Connor Zary on Monday following his 10th point of the month of November
1: I think I just trying to go out there and work as hard as I can and and make sure the little details are there and Anytime I can help produce and, and help set up plays or, or put one in the back of that, it's just an added bonus. And, and I think things are, are kind of coming off my stick the right way so far and, and hopefully keep that going and, and keep that momentum. What is it, do you feel like, that's allowed the offense to, because every guy, I think, wonders when he comes up, what's allowed the offense to follow you up here? For sure. I think there's, there's a lot of things I could probably bring up. I think, obviously... Having that time to, to really develop my game in the American League is before I come up and, and I'm ready. And then just being confident while I'm up here and, and making plays and, and doing what I can do and doing what I know I can do. And then obviously just the guys I've been playing with have been amazing. And, and, and they've been making plays and, and it helps me have the confidence to make plays. And and uh, I've been playing with Naz all 11, 12 games that I've played. So right. it's it's been awesome to kind of play with him. and, and uh, He's helped me produce and, and it's been uh it's been fun so far. You um you pride yourself on obviously a, a well rounded game, but what's what's it mean to kind of prove to yourself that okay, I, I can put some number you know, I can help that way at this level. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's a huge confidence booster. I think like I said before, anytime you can produce anywhere, it's it's an added bonus on top of just playing a, a steady game. So uh I think it's been good so far and I think it's it's the NHL right? You gotta every day is a, a new day, and the biggest thing that separates you from being a player in the American League or a subpar NHLer towards a good NHLer is being consistent every day. It's it's gonna be days that are better than others, but I think you, on the bad days and, and the days that aren't so good, you still gotta push yourself to to stay consistent in your game with the little habits. What uh, you know, it's easy for us to look at the numbers, but what part are you most sort of proud of so far? I think just the way I've been able to to come in and 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 be able to play my game and, and kind of find the little things that that I know I can do that that's I can still do at this level and and I can still make plays and and I think that just boosts my confidence even more to to know I can keep doing that moving forward and and that uh it's it's definitely a good start but I think there's still a lot to prove.
0: That's Connor Zary in
1: conversation with West
0: Monday after the Vegas win, um, and and I love the question about how he's been able to do it, kind of what's allowed him to be this guy. Because I'm not sure people thought he would have this I, this much of an impact. I didn't. I thought he'd come up and, and was well-deserving of the recall and would add some energy and some pace to the Flames. But I didn't see him being an almost point per game player and hitting those rookie numbers that you laid out for us a little early earlier. And and I think the point that he made about having the time in the American League and getting that seasoning and working through a uh, pro schedule and all of what goes along with that—that that was the thing that jumped out the most to me in in that chat with with you and Zeri.
2: Yeah, and just the fact that you know I I can almost imagine. Mitch Love, the former coach of the Calgary Wranglers, listening to that interview and just nodding his head in agreement because Connor Zary, there were plenty of conversations over two seasons in the American Hockey League between Connor Zary and the coaching staff about the importance of consistency. And we have heard him in every interview at the NHL level talk about. Okay, yeah, it's a good start, but i got to be consistent if I want to stay here. We're talking about a guy, remember, you and I sat here in May of last year and and discussed the fact that Connor Zeri was playing on the fourth line for the Calgary Wranglers in a must-win playoff game. And so, yeah, I didn't see this sort of impact coming, and I know that the folks at the Saddledome would tell you there was some internal debate about exactly what Connor Zeri might project as at the NHL level. Was this a guy who could be a producer? Was this a guy who was going to be in more of a down the lineup type role? What what could Connor Zary ultimately become? Well, this is a hell of a start. Like and and you heard me ask him about it. I just think you can't discount the significance of a player who has always had some offensive flair to his game, who has always judged himself in part on the numbers getting to the highest level and and having that moment that it's like, geez, I can produce here. I'm doing it. I'm doing the same thing. I brought the game that had me on a six game point streak to start the AHL season to the flames. And now it looks like I'm never going back. Mm -hmm. That start just in terms of what hit, what it does between his own ears, I think is so significant.
0: Well, and even talking to Ryan Huska, I asked him, before the last road trip, I asked him in one of the home games, were they home for one? So I would have been that, that one game homestand, but I, uh, I asked him on a coach's show. I said, what are you surprised that Zary has been able to jump right in at the NHL level and not just tread water, not just exist, not just show that he belongs, but like make an offensive impact the way that he has. And, and, even Ryan Huska said, "Yeah, I, I have been surprised because you don't usually see that. You know, sometimes it might take ten or fifteen games for a rookie to do that." And and we're talking, we're not talking about Bedard and McDavid and 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 Eichel and stuff like that. We're talking about a player like Zarya. a who regular a, rookie, yeah, like a, a non generational rookie. And he didn't dip his toe in the water. He jumped right in, and and he was playing with confidence. I'll never forget that first game. He scores his first goal, but then almost scores his second goal in the 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 type of highlight reel fashion that up to that point in the season, we hadn't seen anybody in the Flames have that type of skill, confidence, ability to move a puck to the net in in a fashion like that in a play that was stopped by Jake Ottinger and didn't end up counting as a goal, but I came away from that game thinking geez, like this guy is playing with some swagger and he had zero NHL games prior to that first game. I give him a lot of credit because that is not an easy thing to do.
2: One thing that, that and I, I'm not sure how to quantify it and who knows how long it keeps up, but there's there's some guys who just find a way to get their name on the score sheet, right? There's some guys who just consistently in their career, it's like, oh, and, and you know, he maybe didn't have his best game, but he picked up a point tonight. Oh yeah, look, they're, there's his name on the score sheet again. Connor Azari last night played 43 seconds in the third period. 43 seconds. He had two shifts. When Ryan Huska, and this is, a, a, a I think, a good reminder, as I wrote today, that there's still going to be growing pains with this player. There's still going to be nights where, where there's details that the Flames coaching staff doesn't like, where the bench gets shortened on him. In 43 seconds last night, he found a way to collect a point on the game-tying goal. And it was just a really smart play along the boards. He didn't even get the plus because he'd already changed when A.J. Greer hammers that rebound and and they finally spoil Aiden Hill's shutout bid and and give Dan Vladard the type of support that he deserved. But he makes a really short but sort of crafty, I guess, backhand pass along the boards to spring Nazem Kadri. catches him in... You know, full flight. So then, Cadre's gone through the neutral zone. Connor Zeri goes and changes, but there's a point, forty-three seconds, and he put his name on the the score sheet in that third period. And so he's one of those guys that has just found a way. Whether it's just a smart little breakout play like that, or the one that created the bank pass turning into the Martin Pospisil beauty. I guess it would have been at home against the New York Islanders. Like yep. that breakout starts with a really smart touch pass, or or there's that filthy saucer pass against the Dallas Stars. Like Whether it's a, a highlight reel type play or just one of those simple ones, some guys have a knack for just winding up on the score sheet, and that's what we've seen out of Connor Zary so far.
0: Uh, this text says, Zari and Pospisil have transformed the entire team's offense. They've created chemistry throughout the lineup just by giving the team one cohesive line. I give Kadri a ton of credit, too, by taking the young guys under his wing. It's been a Real nice story, and uh, good on Connor Zary for having that type of impact in his first 12 games in the NHL.
2: Since he got here, two stats that jump out for me since he got here, he's second on the team in scoring, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the only guy with more points is the guy he's playing with in Nazem Kadri. As we heard Ryan Huska say again last night, there's been a real, real nice connection between those two. Also, if you take out the dud in Nashville where Connor Zari sat because of a, I think lower body injury. I no, forget. lower body, yep. This team's seven, three, and two with him in the lineup. Yep. Think of how rotten they were when he arrived. Is he the total reason for the turnaround? No. But he's really added something. It's been it's been fun to watch. Yep. Yep. Good on
0: him. Uh, That's our look inside hockey for Calgary co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary co-op shop online or in store today. A few other things just want to touch on quickly because the uh, dusty nickel story was pretty neat. Um, I want to play this. I know that you all, y'all talked to him in the locker room after the game. Uh, Then he came on with us live on our post game show right afterwards. You missed it. Jacob Markstrom, too sick to go on Monday night against Vegas because the call came after the 5 p.m. Mountain Time roster transaction deadline. They couldn't recall Dustin Wolf. No, it was not a flames slap in the face to Dustin Wolf. They were following NHL regulations. They had no choice. They had to get their emergency backup for the night to the rink. So that he could sign an amateur tryout and so that he could sit on the bench for the game they also had to go sign another emergency backup so they had somebody sitting upstairs in the press box in case what almost happened did end up happen happening and that's Dan Vladar not being able to finish the game it was a scramble, and it was a scramble for a uh, Dusty Nickel as well. Listen to uh, listen to him describe his day and night when he joined us on the post game show. Woke up from a nap and got a text from uh, from Jason Labarbera and kind of let me know that uh, that there was a possibility that I might be dressing today, and uh, the uh, the adrenaline definitely spiked a little bit there. And uh, shortly after that, he said, "Yeah, we got. If you can come to the rink right away here," and I, I quickly put some clothes on out of a nap and uh had a banana and ran out the door and i was at the rink pretty quick so it was it was a whirlwind it was a lot of uh a lot going on i'm not even quite sure what to make of all of it but it was uh super exciting also asked him what he was thinking when vladar went down two and a half minutes in like yeah i looked up at the clock there's a lot of hockey left i hope he gets up yeah and um, he did he did
2: i there's so many neat tidbits that come out of these e-bug stories always like we heard him detail you know 5 30 suddenly he's got to be at the rink all he has time for for dinner is a banana and he rushes out the door like so many neat stories but here's one i shared on social media last night so i'm i'm walking out i stayed in the flames locker room a little bit longer to have the conversation with Connor area that we just heard some of it and so i'm walking out and there's two goalie sticks kind of leaned up against the wall and they, you know, they have the name where the pattern goes and one says Parsons, as in Tyler Parsons, and one says Zagadulin, as in Artyom Zagadulin? Artyom
0: Zagadulin, Zagadulin. Zagadulin, yep.
2: Two Who did play an NHL game with the Flames. Two Flames prospects of way back when, and so I, I was sort of startled to see these sticks, and so I stopped and I was looking at them, and I asked one of the equipment guys, the hardest working guys in the business, by the way, what, what, what's with these two sticks? And it turns out dusty nickel, who then was walking by probably after doing the interview with you and stopped to share this part of the story with me said, yeah, I broke mine in warm up, and I didn't have another one. So if he went in the game last night, it was going to be with his choice of either the Parsons or the Zagadulin.
0: That's actually quite interesting. Who
2: did, who would he have chosen? You know, I couldn't really tell the difference. So I think he would have been so nervous at that point. He would have been lucky to just hold on to one of them.
0: Hey, I'm glad for his sake, he didn't have to go in. That story that Dan Vladar told in the locker room where he's like, yeah, Noah Hannafin was like, you got to get up. We've got an e-bug on the bench. <laughs> and that's nobody That's nobody firing shots at, at, at Dusty Nickel, but... You know, it's an NHL regular season game, and the David Ayer story was was really neat,
2: but once in a lifetime, those things don't happen. And as he pointed out himself, 55 minutes left. This is not, you know, four minutes of mop-up or, you know, 30 seconds, thanks for coming out. 57 minutes against the defending champs would have been another story.
0: Can you imagine if it did happen?
2: (sighs) No, I can't, actually.
0: I was literally, like, watching, I was like, oh,
2: no, yeah. this is this might
0: actually happen.
2: Good on w- whether we think the William Carrier backing into Vladar was on purpose or partially accidental or where, whatever your view. I, don't, I what, don't
0: think that he made a good enough attempt to avoid him at all. I, I, I just don't think that he was out there thinking, I'm getting the e-bug into the game.
2: I don't even care about that part. And I do agree with you, but whatever side of that you're on, good on AJ Greer, a guy who has quickly endeared himself to his Flames teammates for trying to maybe right a wrong there. And then when Carrier declined his invitation to dance, good on AJ Greer for helping Dan Vladar in another way with the game tying goal in the third period.
0: It's been a pretty good waiver pickup.
2: Hasn't he? I think you asked me earlier who's like, when was the last time they got this much value out of a waiver claim? I haven't come up with a name. Who is it?
0: Well, I'm trying to think like who their waiver claims have been. The last one I can remember being like a full-on regular was Blake Como. Yeah. And That's like a decade ago.
2: I can't get Joey McDonald out of my head. Was he a waiver claim? I believe he was. Yeah.
0: yeah. I believe he was. And he was a regular. For a bit. But Como was... An NHL regular for quite, basically came here and revived his NHL career.
2: Yeah. Did the Rafael Diaz era start on waivers, or was that always a one-year signing? That's a really good question. Yeah, we're not prepared for this, are we?
0: The point is, greer has been a very good waiver.
2: He he absolutely has, and as a credit to what the coaching staff has seen out of him, I don't think it was ever in the plans that Walker Dewar was going to sit this many games at the start of the season. But they can't take AJ Greer out right now.
0: Schlemko, as somebody suggested, Schlemko was a waiver. That's claim. a good pull, right? That shootout goal in Flames. Very system. good pull. But otherwise, I don't. This has been pretty impressive. Yeah. Nice find. Uh, Wes Gilbertson, also a nice find, uh, is on Twitter. Available on waivers. No, you wouldn't clear. Uh, Wes Gilbertson on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.